the good news today is you are not alone. The hard news is sometimes it will feel as though you are. So I want to say a word today to all of us for whom life is messy. Now, if your life is not messy and your ideas of God are super clear, he's always evidently present to you, you could probably skip today. But for the rest of us, when life does not go according to script, I want to talk to you today about how to be with God in the mess. Not just how to accept the mess. That's a very important thing to come out of denial and say, this is not what I had planned. I don't understand what's going on. I'm confused to accept it fully and still seek to trust God in it and still seek to be with God in it when I can't see him, can't hear him, don't know what it is that he's doing. My ideas about how the way that my life is supposed to work have been shattered. My dream is gone. To trust that there is another better, larger dream. And we're going to do that through looking at the story of Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew. We're, we're focusing on the with God life as we get ready for Christmas. Think about the incarnation, Emmanuel, God is with us. That's the great principle in the Bible. And there's a very, very striking dynamic going on in Joseph's life that has a lot to say to me and to you in the middle of a mess. So Matthew, as you might know, starts out with genealogy. Pretty boring. Somebody begat somebody else. We'll skip over that stuff. And then in verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, being a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So we'll stop there for a moment. In ancient Israel, um, being betrothed was a more formal thing than engagement is in our day. In our day, marriage is legal. Uh, being engaged is kind of an informal thing. In that day, marriage is really a two-step process where you get betrothed, promised, and then there's the homecoming part. That usually takes place maybe a year later. So it's a formal commitment when you are betrothed, and it involves, among other things, the giving of a ketubah, that is the bride price. And so Joseph would have received that, and then he finds out before he has brought Mary to him, before they are uh, consummated, that she's going to be pregnant. Now, we assume he would find this out from Mary. She has already heard from the angel Gabriel. So that means she would have said to him, Joseph, uh, yes, it's true. I am pregnant, but I have not been unfaithful to you. I've not been with another man. It's, it's by God. I'm having a child by God. And we would assume that Joseph found this hard to believe. And so he struggles with what to do. And um, part of what the text says is ambiguous. Um, being a righteous man, Joseph took the Torah, the law, being a good person in God's eyes very seriously. And the text uses uh, what's called a circumstantial participle. Participles are I-N-G words, crying, thinking, walking. Here it's being, being a righteous man. And when it's a circumstantial participle, you have to translate it depending on its circumstances. Duh. What's striking here is it could be translated, although he was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. The idea there would be because he was really committed to following the law and righteous, um, the truth should be known. 
and there should have been an open case and open trial so that she would have to be accountable for her behavior. That's what a good person would do. You follow that rule. Or it could be uh, translated um, because he was a righteous person. He didn't want to put it to disgrace. And, and there the idea would be he didn't want to cause more harm to her. He's having to wrestle now with what does it mean to be good? What does it mean to follow God's law? How do I do this? And his options were he could simply take Mary as his wife and trust that what she said was really true. Or he could make it a large and public divorce. Now, in that case, he would get to keep the bride price. So this is actually a technical term. That idea of divorcing her quietly meant doing it in such a way, kind of like a no-fault divorce in our day, where that money would have to be returned, or he could make it a public thing where he would get to keep the money. And he decides that the good thing to do would be to divorce her. He's not going to stay with her, but he will generously give up the bride price and do it quietly to avoid causing her a scandal. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. The father was to give the name to a child. Joseph would be, in, in this act, acting as now the father of this child, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, what's striking here is everything is a mess. Nothing is the way that it's supposed to be. Joseph has to struggle with this. And God does not come to Joseph at the beginning of that process. Joseph has to go through all of the agony of trying to figure out what to do and being confused and upset and not understand. He has to go through all of that first. He lands on a plan of action and God doesn't come until after that. Why? Why didn't God just come to him initially? Well, I think it is because God knew that Joseph, like you and me, would grow in the middle of a mess, in confusion and unknowing, having to struggle with these questions. What does it mean to be good? In ways that would have been short-circuited if God came to him initially. But when God comes to him, he actually says, Joseph, you have not chosen wisely. Now, I think part of what's going on here has to do with what Dallas Willard will sometimes call the faith of propriety. I think that Joseph, at this point in life, um, he was a good man. He was concerned for the law. He would have had a reputation for being a good man. He wanted to protect that reputation. He knew that if he got married to Mary, and folks knew that she was pregnant, that he would lose his reputation as a righteous man. So he was afraid. The faith of propriety, Dallas would say, is not a bad faith. Um, it is when somebody believes that God is concerned with what is good and God rewards good people and God disapproves of what is wrong. And so people who do what is wrong is punished. And that's an important step in faith. It's way better than not caring about what's good or what's bad. But the faith of propriety can get kind of superficial. It can become transactional. Well, I will do what is good, and then I expect God to come through on his part, and I expect my life to go according to the script. I want my family, my marriage, my kids to turn out the way that they should. And often people will find that the faith of propriety works to a certain point until they suffer deeply. And then they find that life is not working out according to script. And then we have to find a deeper understanding of what it is that God is doing. How do I find God with me in this mess where I've lost my reputation? 
and my family looks nothing like what I felt my family was supposed to look like. How do I find God in this? Part of what happens in the faith of propriety is we often divide people up into us and them, good people, bad people. When I was on my honeymoon, one of us used a bad word, and the other one of us was shocked and appalled and didn't stop to think, uh, maybe the one of us who didn't use that word had been involved in withdrawal and mismanaged anger that was cruel and controlling and unbelievably unloving, which is exponentially a more serious sin. That's like a violation of Jesus' ultimate law, love God and love people. But see, lovelessness isn't a good way to separate the world up into good and bad people, but people that use bad words, they're bad. People that use good words, they're good. And we tend to do this and see this all the time. Women are often quite vulnerable to this. We're all quite aware of a situation around just these last few months where a woman did not wear a hijab. And so the morality piece took her away. She ended up dying. And now there's great controversy over the morality police. And how do you recognize a good woman or a bad woman? And in a different context, it could just be, well, people that wear a hijab, they must be the bad people. That's them. God's concerned for us. Now, What's going on in Matthew, that genealogy that I talked about, is not really quite so boring. It has a bunch of men in it, as we would expect. But as you may know, it's got a series of women injected in it. Very unusual in a genealogy in the Hebrew world. And the particular women are more unusual yet. Rahab, who was a prostitute, protected the spies in Jericho. Tamar, who posed as a prostitute to get her father-in-law to impregnate her after he mistreated her when her husband had died and she was left destitute. Ruth, who was a Moabite, a person that had no business interacting with Israel at all. And then Bathsheba, who in a Me Too moment was uh, uh, widowed by David, who had her husband killed, and, uh, and then David took her for an adulterous affair. Those are the women in the genealogy, the birth of Jesus. And that's God's way of saying, now a new day is coming when we're not going to stand on propriety anymore. And anybody who wants to can just come right on in. And there is no more us versus them. Propriety thinks I'm able to tell. Divorced people bad, married people good. People that have this approach to sexuality or ideology or politics or religion. But Jesus is going to come along and say, no, there's people, tax collectors, prostitutes, Gentiles, lepers, and they are so close. Their hearts are so longing after God. And then other people who look so holy and so devout and they fast twice a week and they tithe and they are so far away. They are so, so consumed with selfishness and judgmentalism and self-righteousness. No, no, no. Jesus is going to redefine goodness based on the heart heart and tell you that God is shockingly and scandalously inclusive and wants everybody and loves everybody. He is so much better. It is not the kingdom of propriety. And so Joseph's old dream, old reputation is all going to have to die so that something infinitely better can be born in him and then his family. And that's the journey that God brings him on. In his confusion and uncertainty and have to wrestle, he finds God. God finds him. Don't be afraid. God is way better than you had any idea. So, oh, dear friend, dear friend, dear friend, whatever the mess is for you, do not be afraid. You may have to struggle. You may be in the dark. You may be confused. It's okay. Jesus is coming. He is coming. He is announcing a new day. Be open and surrender to Him. Trust Him. 
you have been abandoned, betrayed, left, rejected, cancer, terminal disease, failure at work. God is with you. You are not alone. You are not alone. Hey, thanks for joining us. To receive a text alert when new episodes are released, you can text the word BECOME to the number 855-888-0444. You can also send prayer requests there, and we would love to pray for you. To receive the emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me slash subscribe. Special thanks to Matthew Custer for the art and design for this series. See you next time.